Daniel chapter 6, once you find it, let's go ahead and stand out of respect for God's word and uh, we'll, we'll get into this. So just remember that Daniel, he's become the target of his, of his enemies. They, they, there's a campaign to have him killed, the princes and the presidents, they don't, they don't like that a former Jewish slave is their boss that a former Jewish slave is telling them what to do. And, and so they start digging for dirt. They try to find something in his life that they can accuse him of. And yet they find nothing. And I wonder how many of us, if people dug for dirt, would they come up empty? And uh, they target then, not what he does wrong. Then they say, okay, we know he's not doing anything wrong. So let's target what he's doing right. Let's, let's go after what he know that we know that he does every day. Three times a day, what did he do? He prayed. We know that he does that three times a day. They know that's how committed he is to God, so they go after that. And they convince the king to sign a decree and put into place this, this law that no one will pray to any god or any man except for the king for 30 days. And the king's like, oh yeah, that, that boosts my ego. I, I love that thought, so let's do that. ...without thinking about the fact that these folks were out to get Daniel. So when most of us then would have said um, 30 days... ...okay, 30 days, I think that's worth it. I, can, I just won't pray for 30 days or at least I won't do it publicly... ...and I won't go to the window and look toward Jerusalem. I, I'll just change some things up because I don't want to be a lion's snack. Because that's what he was going to be. Anybody who prayed for that 30 days to other, other than to King Darius would end up in the lion's den. And we looked last time at how his decision was not made in the lion's den. His decision was made in his bedroom. And that's the real lion's den. Very often, it's not, as somebody mentioned this morning, we're talking about men's prayer meeting. It's not, you don't win the game uh, during the game. You win the game on the practice field before the game ever gets there. And I think that's a good way to put it. So Daniel then makes his decision to just continue doing what he does. Look at verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall make a petition of any God or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel... Okay, that's the way I'm reading it, okay? That Daniel, got to have a voice growl. That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. Notice, he was not displeased with Daniel. He's displeased with himself because he knows that, he's, that he got suckered. And he and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, 
Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, he has no choice. And they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually. Now listen, Darius now knows. I mean, he, Daniel has the reputation, right? He says, you serve God continually. That's your reputation. And I believe, God, here's Darius, a pagan, saying, I believe that the God you serve will deliver you. So a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and slept like a baby. No, that's, I mean, hopefully that's not in your Bible. If not, we need to talk about your, the version you're carrying. That's, that's not what's in my Bible. It says, then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. We're going to stop our reading there today, and just calling this tonight a simple thought, resting in the lion's den. Resting in the lion's den. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, we do pray that you bless the reading of your word. We pray that you'd help us all to pay attention tonight because I do think there's an important truth to be found here. God, give us wisdom, give us clarity, give us um, alertness. Lord, help us to be uh, just tuned in so that we don't miss the nuance of a message like this because it really is an important thought that I think could be a help to us. Lord, we love you, we need you. We pray that you bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. You know, at its, at its core, this is a story about conflict. Um, the, there are two primary conflicts then that I want to mention and, and point out to you. There are two conflicts here involved. The first conflict is this. The first conflict is between Daniel's faith, and we're just going to call it the culture. See, they, they, there's this group of men that hate Daniel, and they hate his God, and they don't like him. And there's a conflict that arises between Daniel's faith and the culture. And let me just say this. If you follow God, and if you're any kind of disciple, I mean, if you're committed to God on any level, you will find yourself in conflict with the culture. See, Daniel was just living his faith. He was just doing what he thought he ought to do, like he'd always done. But the culture around him was wicked. The people around him didn't have his priorities. They didn't love his God. They wanted things done their way. They wanted no accountability so they could take advantage of people they oversaw. And that conflicted with Daniel's faith. 
So when the decree comes out, Daniel has to choose how to respond to this sudden introduction of conflict. See, notice what Daniel did not do. He did not pray to spite the king. I mean, he didn't, he didn't say, oh yeah, you're going to tell me not to pray? I'm going to go out my window, and this time I'm going to lay out my window and pray louder to my God, because you're not going to tell me what to do. Now, will there be times that, that the culture uh, is telling you, you need to do something this way, and you say, no, I've got to take a stand for what I know to be right? Is that ever going to happen? Well, yeah, it has happened. But listen, Daniel's motivation was not to spite the king. He was simply doing what he'd always done. He said, I, I'm just going to keep doing what I've done. He was that predictable. The, the king said twice here, the God you serve continually. And, uh, here's what else Daniel didn't do. He didn't get upset and take matters into his own hands. Meaning he didn't go round up everyone who would listen to him and say, we're going to start a revolution. Now, will there be a time, perhaps, that as God's people, that, that we need to start some kind of a of a revolution or campaign to stand up against tyranny and against persecution? Well, maybe. I'm not even talking about war. I'm talking about as a group of God's people to say, no, we can't bend. We can't bow anymore. We've got to make, take some steps. Daniel didn't do that. He didn't start a revolution. He didn't also, he didn't go to the king and complain. Now, could he have? It seems like he has a, a, a good enough relationship with the king that he could have gone to the king and said, this isn't fair. No, but instead, Daniel said, no, I'm just going to have faith. I'm going to trust that God will take care of me. I will simply do what I have always done. And he did. Verse 11, after he continues to pray, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Does that sound on purpose? Yeah, I mean, look at it. Then they assembled. By the way, that word assembled, this word assembled means they ran hastily. Meaning they were waiting for this to happen. They were waiting for him to start praying. His enemies were watching and they knew when he would start praying and they wanted to catch him in the act. I mean, if you think about it on a broad scale, this isn't that different than, you know, government employees now being caught in the act for things they're doing, but it's a totally different level. Now, when, these days, when government um, officials are caught, they're caught taking a bribe, or they're caught doing something unethical, they're caught doing something bad, they're caught cheating in elections, they're caught doing something immoral. Here's a government official that's caught doing right. Wouldn't that be nice? To catch somebody in government doing the right thing? I know there, there, there are those that are doing the right things, but it seems like all we ever hear about are the ones that aren't doing the right things. So his, his enemies, they catch him in the act. And rather than, you know, talk to him, I just imagine they, they see him praying. Somebody captures it on their cell phone. And then, not really. I mean, you're, you're not, okay, that wasn't funny. Okay, so his enemies immediately run to the king. Verse 12, it says, Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. So they come in and they start asking questions. Oh, hey, King, oh, by the way, just remind us, hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O King, shall be cast into the den of lions? Now, if, that, if that's not a leading question, I don't know what is. 
They come asking a question that the king has to answer. But this is a lot like parenting sometimes, isn't it? That you give a rule, let's say you give a rule, it's like, okay, no Xbox after 9 o'clock. And you're getting ready for bed and upstairs comes one of your children and they say, Dad, did you not say... Thou shalt not, and I, you know, they got the paper. Thou shalt not turn on the Xbox after 9 o'clock. Did you not say that? Now, as a parent, aren't you kind of already knowing what's, what you know what's going on? It's a leading question. And then that's when I like to be like, you know what? This is the 847th time today that you've tattled on your sibling. So I'm just going to be like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Dad must have amnesia. I never made a rule about Xbox. Oh, here's the king. He has, he is, it's a leading question. And of course, he says, well, yeah, I remember that. I mean, it's the law of the Medes and Persians. It can't be changed. Why are you asking? And that's when in verse 13, they answered, they and said before the king, that Daniel. Oh, that Daniel. Can't you imagine? I mean, he is already, he is so under their skin and he's done nothing to them. He, all he's done is just follow God and Pray three times a day. And they're like, that Daniel, that Daniel. Then they say, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah. There we see the anti-Semitism again. That Daniel, that Jew, that, that Israelite, you know, he ignored your law, king. He is praying three times a day. And we caught him in the act. And the king has no choice but to then... Say, well, we've got to follow through because the decree is made. And they're right. It's the law of the Medes and the Persians. And when the law of the Medes and Persians gets sealed, then there is no changing it. You know, being a truly committed disciple, it's going to create conflict with the people around you. I mean, it's not like you're looking for a fight. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that just doing right... Will, will cause conflict in your life because faith is so contrary to the culture that we live in. See, we have plenty of families, even in this room, and, and you're trying to live out your faith and, and, and you're trying to do the right things, but it's creating, it creates conflict, conflict with the people that you're around or even like your extended family. There are some of you, you know, in your family, they don't necessarily, um, you know, subscribe to the things that you subscribe to and, and there's conflict just because you're just trying to do right. And you cannot hardly help it just living out your faith. It puts you at conflict with the people around you. I mean, if you try to live out your faith, today I'm thinking about our young people just trying to live out your faith in the educational system. Or our college students just living out your faith in the educational system. If you do that, you're going to have conflict. You can't help but stand out because the further that schools get away from God and his word, the more that believers are going to stand out like sore thumbs. You can't be a genuine disciple and just blend in. And faith is going to create conflict at work. I mean, if you're going to work and you're going to live for God and you're going to try to have a good testimony at work, if you're going to not go to the things that your employee, your fellow employees go to or not be involved in certain things, you know, it's just going to, it's going to create conflict. You can't help but live out your faith and, and not have conflict. It, what will you do if your boss wants you to falsify information? You know, you may have to choose between do, doing what is right and keeping your job. 
uh, doing what is right and losing your job, I should say. You know, faith, it, it creates this conflict between committed disciples and a godless culture. And, and I find it interesting that King Darius, he had no interest in, in harming Daniel. That was not his intention. He basically just got suckered into this. He got tricked, like some of you getting a text from your pastor saying, I need some Apple gift cards. Hey, if, if you got those texts, I would be happy to receive Apple gift cards from you. But I hope that you didn't send them to somebody else. Because my number got leaked out somehow and our connections between the pastor and the church family got, you know, the, the lines got connected and somehow... You know, people were trying to scam you. Don't buy into that, okay? If I'm asking for money on a text on an early, on a Wednesday morning, it's probably not me. It may be my wife, but I doubt it's, it's me. <laughs> Say, she's like, man, I, if I just play the pastor card, I can get Apple gift cards. This is great. You know, the king got duped. He got scammed. He did not want Daniel to be hard to be to be harmed. And and when Daniel Darius, I'm sorry, when he finds out that there's this about this conflict, he has immediate regrets. And it's not because somebody broke his law. It's not because his decree's been ignored. It, it's but it's because he respects Daniel. It's because Daniel's been nothing but good to him. It's because Daniel's been loyal, and, and he doesn't want to see Daniel killed. So Darius spends this entire day and then into the night and he's trying to come up with a plan. He wants to save Daniel and, and he's, you know, he's wringing his hands and he's like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How do I think of a way out of this? I mean, is there a way around this? And the, the men, these enemies of Daniel, they must hear that he's having second thoughts or being remorseful so he, because it says they assemble again. In verse 15, look, then these men assembled unto the king. They come again. This time, so the first time assembled means to um, come together in haste. This time, the word means to come together tumultuously. So in other words, they're not just trying to speed th this up. Now they're angry. Now it's tumultuous. And they come to his room, and I don't know how it works, they knock on the door, they say, King, just a reminder, but, but once you sign something, it can't be changed. The law of the Medes and the Persians. Once that king dipped his ring in the wax and, and sealed it, it was done. And the king knows, he's, Darius knows, I have no choice now but to sentence Daniel to death. And in verse 16, this is so interesting. It almost sounds like this pagan king has faith in Daniel's God. Because he says then, verse 16, the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. Now the king spake and said unto Darius, thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. It seems like this pagan king has more faith than we have sometimes. He says, I know, uh, maybe Darius, I don't know, maybe he'd heard about these three young Hebrew boys some years ago that were cast into a fiery furnace. And they were walking around and there was a fourth man in there and it was Daniel's God. And so this king, maybe he's going back to those days and he's thinking, okay, you know, he believes in many gods. Likely he's a polytheist who has a lot of gods, but and Daniel's God is maybe one of many. But nobody else, no other God had done what Daniel's God had done. 
And he says, listen, I know if anybody's God can help them, if anybody's God can deliver them, your God can deliver you. You know, truer words have never been spoken by a pagan king. You know, even somebody who doesn't know God, sometimes, I mean, they say something profound and true, and this king does. He doesn't understand what he's saying, but he has faith in Daniel's God. So he throws Daniel into the lion's den. Then he has a stone rolled over the mouth of the den, and then he seals the opening with his, with his seal. I don't know exactly how that was, maybe clay or maybe with wax, but there was a seal put over the tomb, the stone, I should say, over the lion's den. The seal would have been an impression made uh, with an image probably of either the king or his ring. And it would let others know if they happen to walk by that lion's den, which I don't know why you would. But if they happen to walk by that lion's den, they're thinking, okay, that seal means I am not allowed to open this thing. This is closed. This is shut. And in the minds of his enemies, listen... In the minds of Daniel's enemies, that royal seal guaranteed Daniel's fate. Because nobody was allowed to come by and open that seal. Kind of like Jesus Christ when he was buried. They rolled a stone over the, over the mouth of the tomb and then sealed it with that Roman seal. It's a very similar concept. What's interesting here to me is that, and I want you to follow the train of thought here. What's interesting to me is that there's more than one conflict in this story. See, of course, there's Daniel and his faith. And how that creates this major conflict with the culture, with the guys that hated him. They hated him because of his faith. They used his faith against him. That's a conflict. Don't be surprised when your faith puts you at odds with the culture. That's lesson number one, if you will. And in fact... I would say if your faith never puts you at conflict with the culture, I maybe examine the kind of faith that you have. Because you can't live for God and be light and not have people notice. You know, examine your faith. But that's not the point tonight, but that's conflict number one. That's conflict over here, we're just going to say, conflict number one is the conflict between Daniel's faith and the culture that, that he lived around. The second conflict... I want to notice in verse 18. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. So conflict number one is taking place over here between Daniel and his faith and the culture. Conflict number two is taking place in Darius' bedroom. Conflict number two is not between two people, it's between the king and himself. See, Darius, he goes back to his palace and he has this, this terrible night. It says he passed the night fasting. And, and I was feeling kind of sorry for him until I realized we all kind of passed the night fasting. <laughs> right? Until breakfast, breakfast, breaks the fast. If you didn't know, that's what it means, okay? It breaks the fast. So, but he's clearly under duress. He's not just sleeping. He can't sleep. It seems as if the practice even says they didn't even bring instruments of music to play 
music for him at night. And I don't know how many of you maybe listen to music while you're going to sleep. Or when our kids were little, we would play music on you know little CDs in their bedroom to help them go to sleep. Um, Jace likes to listen to classical music to go to sleep. I mean, he still does that. And, 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 and that was the practice. They would bring in these players before Spotify. They would bring player, these musicians in. And, and on this, this night, that, during the night, they would play and maybe help them go to sleep. But this night, he says, I don't want the music. I can't sleep. I'm not going to sleep a wink. And this whole night, here's the king. And, and conflict number two is between the king and himself. Conflict number one is between Daniel's faith and the culture. Conflict number two is between the king and himself. He regrets the decision that he made. He regrets the decree that he signed. And, and he regrets that, that he's the one that caused this. He has a guilty conscience. And it's interesting. We assume, listen, don't we? We assume that people in the palace sleep like babies. I mean, I assume that. I assume that people that have everything they ever wanted, when they go to bed at night, they have no worries. We might assume that. Okay, maybe I'm the only one, but we might. And you know that Darius is in the nicest room in the palace. You know that the king's bedroom was the presidential suite of all presidential suites. You know he has everything available to help him get to sleep. He has the finest musicians that he could possibly ask for. Uh, he, servants were there to wave palm branches and keep him cool. Whatever comfort food he wanted, he could have it. All the alcohol he could ask for. I, I mean, as, as a way to forget his cares and, and just kind of drift off, he could have he indulged in that if he had wanted to. I mean, he's secure. He the most powerful army is around the walls of the city that he's in. He has nothing to worry about. But listen, all of that doesn't ensure quality sleep. See, when kings don't sleep, it's not because they lack anything. Darius, Darius had enabled a group of hitmen to take down his most trusted advisor. He made a mistake. He has a guilty conscience. And listen, it doesn't matter if you have all the comforts of a palace, doing wrong leads you restless. When you make a mistake and you know that you've done wrong, you can't sleep. And while the king paces in the palace, I would submit to you, I like to envision that here's Daniel in the lion's den resting like a baby. See, Daniel has about the worst place to sleep. There's no musicians. He turns off his phone. Nobody's interrupting him. No, Daniel might be in the worst setting ever to get sleep. Have you ever been to the zoo? Okay, we're going to switch gears. Have you ever been to the zoo? <laughs> you know how the zoo smells? Okay, this is a really cool moment in the message. A real, you know, think about how a zoo smells. I'm pretty sure the lion's den smelled like that. I mean, I like penguins. Have you ever been like to the penguin place in a zoo? Man, I can't stay in there for more than like 30 seconds. It's fun to watch them swim, but man, those little guys stink. I mean, I doubt the lion's den smelled good. I bet it smelled bad. 
Not, not to mention the fact that these lions who he's around, they're looking at him like he's a fried turkey at the fair. You know, that fried turkey leg, you know, that it always looks so beguiling. And then you start biting it like, I can only eat like three bites of this unless, you know, maybe you can eat more. Wash it down with a Coke and, and then get like a fried Twinkie or a funnel cake and, you know, just check all the boxes of health and convenience and all of that. So they're looking at him like he's funnel cake. Here's Daniel in the lion's head. Think about this. I want you to just envision this. He has no pillows. He has no music. And the only sounds that Daniel has are the stomach growls of lions. The only food in the room is him. And he's probably expecting to die at any moment. That's what everyone else assumes. They assume Daniel is done. They assume he is dead. Most of the kingdom, they have, they have no idea it's even happened to him, probably. But his enemies are in another room and they're throwing a party. And here he is, he appears to be lost. And listen, so let's take a poll. If you're in, the, in, the, in this city that night... And you're thinking, okay, here's the poll. Among those who were there that night who knew about the situation, the question is this. Okay, let's take a poll. Who's getting the better rest tonight? Daniel? All those, you know, if, if you don't know anything about Daniel and his God, how many of you think Daniel in a lion's den are getting the best, is getting the best rest? Okay? Okay, so you don't know anything about it. And you know the king's in the palace how many of you then would probably say, I think the king's probably getting better rest, okay? Most of us would say that. No, Darius is in a palace with every luxury he could ever ask for, and he can't sleep. Daniel's in a lion's den, and he is zero luxury, and he's resting in the protection of his God. See, Darius couldn't sleep because of his conscience, but Daniel was at peace because his conscience was clear. And the best rest that you'll ever have is when you have a clear conscience before God. Amen. See, those that live in luxury without doing right, they're, they're not at peace. And we think, you know, hey, they have everything they could ever want. All their bills are paid. They're millionaires. They live in a nice house. Everything's comfortable. Every comfort you can imagine, they have it. And sometimes we look at them and we think, like Jeremiah, wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper, he said. Wherefore are they all happy? That deal very treacherously. That was planted them. Yea, they have taken root. They grow. Yea, they're bringing forth fruit, he said. And it's hard maybe to blame Jeremiah for having that mentality. Because Jeremiah's ministry was not very successful. And here he was plugging away in the lion's den as a preacher every day. Nobody paid attention Nobody converted. Their faces looked at him like they hated him. And the wicked are all around him prospering every day. But I'm, but I'm just asking you this. Would you trade internal rest for the prosperity of the wicked? Do you really think that luxury cancels out the need, the human need for internal peace? Well, of course it doesn't. And that's why some of the wealthiest people in the whole world are some of the most miserable. Because the conflict they're dealing with, the conflict of soul, the internal conflict, is far worse than any conflict you and I face trying to decide whether or not we're going to do right. 
See, stop assuming that the world has it all together because you will get better rest in a lion's den with God than in the palace without him. And here's the thing. Sometimes we try to avoid the conflict. We try to avoid this conflict over here. We, we know we have faith and, and, and yet the culture is trying to come at us. And, but listen, that leads to a worse conflict. And that's the conflict of our conscience. There are plenty of times where we, we compromise because we don't want to be the only one standing alone. And I get it. It's hard to be the only one. It's hard to be the only one in your family that has these certain things that you try to, that, that you try to live by. It's hard to be the only one that, that's going to church every time the doors are open. It's hard to have a certain standards in your life that maybe the people around you don't. And it wears on you. It's a conflict. There is a conflict between faith and culture. It happens. Yeah. I, I'm going to just get a couple guys up here to come show me this. I'm going to just have you four guys come up here. If you sit on the front row, that's the price you pay. It's like, now they're never going to sit on the front row. So just come up here. And Ashton, man, didn't Ashton preach a good message on Wednesday night? He's, he, so we're going to have Ashton be the guy. This is, this is Daniel, okay? And Ashton has faith. And these guys over here, they're the wicked culture, okay? It's stereotype, typecasting, I know. But, you know, so, so I just want you, I just want you as much as you can. So you guys line up right here facing Ashton. Ashton, you line up there facing me. You guys come right here and face him, okay? So here's, here's Ashton, and he's trying to live by faith. He's trying to live and do what's right, but the culture is at conflict with him. So Ashton, I just want you to try to get over to me, and I want you guys to stop him from getting to me, okay? So here we go. There's a conflict. And Timmy's tough, isn't he? <laughs> yep. I mean, I can go on for a while. I don't know if you, I mean, okay, are you already done? Stand with, have faith, have courage, resist the culture, fight against it, okay? There you go, man, spin move, okay? Excellent, right? So now let's just say that after this, this bout with these guys, I mean, his tie's messed up, and I'm buttoning his hair. I can't even unbutton it. Okay. His hair's messed up. I mean, like, it's hanging off right here. This is what you look like. Uh, where, what's happening? Okay, this is what you look like. Here, untuck that. Okay. So, so this is what it looks like after a conflict, right? I mean, don't you imagine if you get into a conflict, if you get into a fight... You're not going to come out unscathed. I would split his eye open or something just to like really drive on the point, but, but I think his head's too hard, so it probably won't happen. Right, Brother Phil? Yeah, so. No, this is what you look like after conflict, right? You say, but listen, but standing, when you stand for faith against the culture, what I can tell you is this. If Ashton's just trying to do right, he'll, he'll be able to sleep in the lion's den. See, Ashton, if you'll let him by, be nice. See, one thing is true. That's conflict number one. But let's say that Ashton decides to compromise his faith in some way. And, and now there's a conflict, but there's nobody else in the room with him. See, now the conflict is not between him and these sketchy looking guys over here. No, now the conflict is in here. The conflict has gone from external conflict to internal conflict. 
And I can tell you this, he'll, he'll, he won't look as bad as he looks right now. Go ahead and put your jacket back on. You know, he'll look better, but I can tell you this, he won't feel better. See, the internal conflict, when you go from the external conflict of striving against a culture that hates your faith, and, and you're fighting and you're just trying to do right. Listen, I know it's hard, but in some ways it's a good hard. You know, after, after you've worked all day and you're, you're tired, you know, it's a good tired, right? In some ways, that's the, the, the better, the superior conflict. Because if Ashton was to just kind of slip by and do what everyone else is doing, he may look better, but I can tell you this, on the inside it doesn't feel better. And we have to get to the point where we decide this is the conflict we'd rather have. If we're going to have a conflict at all, we want it to be as Eastside Baptist Church members that, that our conflict is between faith and culture. Not that we're looking for a fight, but that we're just going to do right. And if the culture comes after us, then we're going to do what we can to just keep doing right. Because I'm telling you, it is easier to live with that conflict than it is after we've made a compromise in our life in some area and now we can't sleep at night. Listen, we would always, always much rather have an external conflict than an internal conflict. Because while Daniel is sleeping, I'm imagining, but while Daniel sleeps on the floor of a lion's den resting like a baby, the king is pacing the palace floor. And I can tell you who I'd rather be. I'd rather be Daniel in the lion's den, in the presence of his God, than the king in the palace without God. And that is the, thank you guys, that is the choice, thank you Ashton, by the way, for being thrown into the lion's den tonight. I just ask you tonight, which conflict is easier? So we might say the conflict of faith, standing alone, that's the hard one. But if you've ever made a decision that you knew wasn't right and you tried to sleep afterwards, then you know this to be true. That conflict is much preferred to that conflict. I mean, I'm just going to give you some scenarios here. Let's say that your extended family has been trying to get you to attend a family event with them. I'm going to just give a real life scenario. I'm not even telling you where to land. I'm just going to try to give you some scenarios. So your extended family has been trying to get you to attend a family event with them, but they've scheduled it on a Sunday. And it means that you're, you're going to have to skip church for it. And dad, you know, he's trying to, you know, just let the family know this is where we stand. We're, we're going to be firm on being in God's house. But after a while, doesn't it wear down? I mean, it does. And the and the, the culture, if you'll call it that, they keep coming back and saying, just this one time, and this is not a big deal, and you know, just this one time, it won't make it that much of a difference, and, and this one time, so the dad says, okay, this one time, then we'll skip church, and, and we'll go do this event, we'll go to this event with our extended family. So, so what has the dad done? He's avoided the conflict of faith and culture, which is what we all want to do. It seems easier. But let's just say then that night the Lord starts working on dad's heart because it wasn't the decision the Lord wanted dad to make. 
And I can tell you this then, now that he's pacing the floor in his room, he would go easily, anytime, go back and say, no, I, I'll just stick with the conflict between faith and culture. Because I'm telling you, it's not worth losing sleep over on this side. You know, sometimes we just need to recognize that sleeping on the floor of the lion's den with a clear conscience is a better option than spending the night in the palace if you can't sleep. The preferable conflict is between faith and culture. It's harder to sleep on a guilty conscience. And the question is, do you want to pay now or do you want to pay later? Pay now and face the culture or pay later when you have a restless night due to a guilty conscience. You know, sometimes the lion's den is exactly where God wants us. You know that? And the great thing is, is his grace can help us to rest. And even with the smell, and even without music, and even with the sounds of lions growling, and even with, uh, you know, the no pillow, no, listen, you can rest more easily in the lion's den with God's presence than you can in a palace without it. Because when you stand committed to God, even if you end up in the lion's den, you can be at rest. Listen, but if you compromise to avoid the conflict, then you're going to find, and I've been there, we've all been there, you find that the internal conflict is actually worse than just having your faith in the midst of a culture that doesn't like it. I mean, I already used the example of church. You know, the culture says church three times a week. That seems extreme. And, and listen, sometimes it feels overwhelming. That conflicts with so much we're trying to do. And, you know, the kids have these activities and this and that. And a lot of God's people then, they, they avoid that conflict over here. But then is it worth a trade-off if, if you're not resting because you know that you're not where you ought to be on Sundays? You're better off embracing the conflict with culture than trying to act like nothing's wrong over here. Parenting. You know, the culture says in parenting, don't be too hard on your kids. You know, that you'll lose your children. Don't discipline and don't train. And so parents, it's easy to, we want to back off to avoid the conflicts because, I mean, it's wearing, isn't it? After that 847th time that they come and tattle, I mean, it starts to wear you down. But I'm telling you, you'll get more rest sleeping with the lions. Oh, that's a good picture. You know, children. No, you'll get more rest sleeping with the lions than regretting your choices. And, and later on when they get older, you're just trying to kind of keep their hearts. Well, it's worth it. It's worth the lion's den moments. I, I think about witnessing. You know, culture says no one wants to hear about your faith. So we kind of clam up. We, we avoid the conflict. We don't want someone to think we're, we're weird. And, but listen, even if you end up facing the lions, that's, the better, that's better than the restless nights knowing that you've not told the people around you about Jesus Christ. I mean, the, the, the principle plays out so much. I think about commitment. Culture says, why would you follow God? Live, like, 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 live life like you want to live life and do what you want to do. And, and we sometimes give in to that pressure, but the regret leaves you restless. And you may end up sleeping with lions by being committed to God, but that's better than pacing the floor of a comfortable palace. I mean, I think about it as a church. You know, as a church... 
a lot of churches are, you know, allow culture to dictate the kind of church that they become. And, and we could follow that. We could follow that recipe and, and, and it would make us more acceptable. It would ma- and we probably would grow faster. And, but, once we, but there are some things that once we set them aside to avoid the conflict, then I think we might regret them later. And, and I'm, not, I'm not even saying that there aren't changes that could be made and that should be made at times. But we better take it very slow when we make those changes. Because I would rather sleep in the lion's den with the presence of God than pace the floors in a comfortable palace. Because I have regrets about decisions that I've made. You know, there will come a time that a church is targeted because of their stand for God. It's happening And listen, I don't know about you. I'd rather sleep in the lion's den with God's protection in God's presence than try to rest in a palace of compromise. You know, this principle fits so many areas in our lives. Entertainment decisions and friendship decisions, activities that we will or won't do. And I'm not going to keep going. I'd rather have faith and rest with the lions than regret my actions and pace the floor all night. And there will be times that your stand for God leads you to some uncomfortable places. But you're better off in an uncomfortable place in God's presence than in an easy place without it. And I I know how, I understand how difficult it is. I don't know your situation. But I do know and at times in my life have had to stand against the the culture and, and have faith and stand alone. But, but I have always found it's a lot easier to face the external conflict than the internal conflict that comes after I make a decision I regret. So just here's the take home tonight. With faith, you get better rest in a lion's den than in the most comfortable palace bed you can find. With faith, you get better rest in a lion's den than in the most comfortable palace bed you can find. Why? Well, because faith means God is with you. Even in the lion's den. And I know some of you are facing lion's dens. And, and, and it's because of a stand that you've taken. You know, a principle that you have held on to. And I just want to encourage you, in the lion's den, you have the presence of God with you. And again, that's a better place to be than pacing the floors with a decision that you regret. I'm just trying to help you to see sometimes the conflict over here. I mean, it may feel heavy and it may feel tough. And you may feel like Ashton, pounding against the wall, pounding against the culture. But I'm telling you, if you'll make the decision over here, then you won't regret it after you've compromised in some area. It is worth it to sleep in the lion's den in God's presence, then pace the palace, floor, uh, the palace floors without God's presence. And we just need to decide tonight if we're going to be like a Daniel or if we're going to just try to fit in. You know, standing alone is not easy, is it? I, mean, I, I have found it to be very difficult. But I'd rather, but you never really actually stand alone. Because when your faith is what's driving you then the the presence of God is always there with you. You never truly stand alone.
But I'll tell you one instance in where you will be where you will be alone. When you make a decision that was the wrong decision, and you've and you've regret you're regretting that decision, and you're over here and between you're at odds with God. That will be a moment. In that moment, you will be alone because it's you're not in a position to be right with the Lord. Now, one thing that's great about it is God can be reached even in the palace, but it'll take some humility and you might have some regret and there may be some consequences that you have to bear for a while. But it's still better to just make it right over here and go back to the lion's den if you have to. Because being in the presence of God, even in the lion's den, is the best place to be. Let's stand together.